Father, we come to you this morning. We ask your blessing upon us. Lord, we need your spirit. Lord, we know as Christ becomes Lord of our life that you promise us if we call on you, that your spirit will be with us. And we ask that this morning so that we may learn the truths of your word, so that we may truly glorify you in all we do. Lord, when we're sick, may we glorify you, which reminds me, Lord, I pray for Roger right now. I pray for all those that have COVID. I pray for all those that are sick and ill, uh, our loved ones that uh, we're concerned about now, the loved ones that so many that I know have lost, loved ones, we pray for them through their grief. Lord, we pray, though, this morning that even through the sorrow and heartache of so many things in this world, Lord, that you would give us joy, joy that surpasses all the heartache and all the grief, Lord. We pray that in the name above all names, in the name of Jesus Christ, all God's people said, amen. Thank you. You can be seated, please. <coughs> Sometimes when you fill in, just let me say it this way. I was thinking about what I should preach when I got called Wednesday. Uh, I just got cleared from COVID on the day before. Uh, I got it right after Christmas, which is always a fun time to have it. Um, it had some good points and some bad points. Um, and then there was a week there where I was supposed to do a funeral for, for a dear friend of mine that passed away from COVID. He had heart problems also. But, uh, I couldn't do it because I had the disease or sickness, whatever you want to call it. I'm actually just getting tired of it. How about you all? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I had another one I was asked to officiate that was going to mean a lot to me, and I couldn't. And, you know, you go to the Lord and you say, why this? why that and you know if you do it rightly I don't think there's anything wrong with that our God's big our God's big he's creator of all things and friends I don't think it's wrong to be you, you need to be honest with him about everything about even this disease that uh, I was told Roger said that it, that's for most of you know pastor Roger which is the pastor here um he said it felt like he was trying to swallow razor blades. And uh, some people have it worse and some, you know, don't. But during those sick times, I know when I was laying in bed, I had two really bad days and uh, couldn't walk, really. And I, I, it's so nice. I don't know how people do it without God. And when I say God, I don't mean just any God. I mean the God that created the universe the God that sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross for our sins. I remember thinking two things. I thought, Lord, if, if this is it, because you just don't know, do we? We don't know. Take care of my wife. And the other thing was, I, I can't wait to be in your presence and to say hi to some of those that have gone on before me. But... I've always been real honest with God, and that's when I thought, what I need to preach, and I said, the title of my message is, We Need the Truth. 
and I don't know about you all, I'm 62, some of you find my gosh, that's so old. Uh, I, you know, some of you have, I remember when you were kids, and when I was youth pastor here for a few years, which still means a lot to me, some of these kids just, I just love them, but some of them are friends to my, my daughters, and even Josh, I found out, went to school with my youngest daughter, don't hold that against me, she was a little wild, just like her dad, uh, before I knew the Lord, but I think about that, and I, I'm like, time goes by so, so fast. I, I remember me and Brenda got married young. She was 16. I was 18. Yeah, and we didn't have to get married. Every, that's the first thing, oh, oh, my goodness. No, she was a Christian. I was a believer. But for some reason, we just felt we couldn't wait. Uh, and you can ask her. Nothing against either one of us, but it's hard growing up together. Because at 16, you're, you're not mature. And at 18, uh, a boy at 18 is about a 15-year-old girl, so maturity-wise. Uh, yeah, so we had some issues there growing up together. But uh, I look around today and I think, I, I, I'm so glad I have a God that I can be honest with and truthful with. And I bring up the age thing because I know only a few of you are older than me in here. But you have to look through the ages and see that it's hard to trust anything anymore. I mean, you li- and I'm not trying to get political one bit. I could care less about where you stand on a lot of issues politically. But I know there's an ultimate truth out there we can stand on. And, and whether I was, we were listening to the news today and they're afraid Russia's going to invade Ukraine and, and they're saying, well, Russia's lying and, and Ukraine's lying and, and America's lying. And you, you know what? There's probably some truth in all that. I, I, you know, are we surprised that evil dictators such as going back to Hitler Lied? The man didn't believe in God, so of course he lied. You know, you, you, you can't trust people like that. You can't trust the things you're being told a lot of times. Now, I'm not trying to paint the whole picture and everyone that you can't trust. I have people in my life that, uh, well, there was some, some things, let's just talk about COVID for a second, that I just didn't know. Because I, I, I was hearing this and I was hearing that. Well, I have a relative that's a nurse practitioner, and she's in service today. You know, I trust her. And she told me, do this, do that, it's okay to do this. Because I know she wouldn't purposely lie to me. That's the issue. So there's a lot of little things out there that we can look at, and there's people we have to... We, we can't go around in life going we can't trust anybody because we have to have somebody to trust. And I hope you know, anyway, from what I've seen from the pulpit here, you can trust Roger and what he's telling you. I mean, he, he, he preaches in a way, well, I was taught in the same school he was. We actually went to one of the same colleges. 
and uh, they teach us to take what's in Scripture, not put into Scripture what we think's there, but to take what has been written and what has been taught and to teach that to everyone else. And there's that, that's huge. We don't have that every place. And you do here. So when I talk about we need the truth, you're getting taught the truth here. Not only from the pulpit, but you're getting taught in your Sunday school classes. I know how those go, or you call them small groups. I don't know. I don't know the new lingo in anything anymore. But I can tell you it's the same. You're getting taught the truths of God's Word. Young people, listen to me today because I, I don't know where I would be if I lived in your world with the attitude I had back in the 70s, early 70s, because you're getting bombarded with this is right and this is wrong, or even worse yet, right or wrong is determined, or truth is determined on what you say it is, or what I say it is, and yet both can be true. It, the world, have you lived in this world? Two plus two is four. It's never going to be different. There's some things that are absolute in this world. And the truth I'm going to talk about this morning is, with a capital T, the truth. The one we can always count on. And obviously, this is an inexhaustible subject. Uh, next week, when Roger preaches, you'll hear more truth. The next week after that, you'll hear more but I'm just going to cover the truth as we call it. I'm going to start with a verse found in John. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't, I'm going to be going through this fairly quick. But the verse that I always think of is, you remember before it's John 18.37, for those, those of you that are looking, and for those of you that are not, that's fine. But I think about Jesus standing before Pilate. You know, he's going to be crucified. He's already been beaten. Now, you have to remember, those of you that are young, this, this, this just touches my heart like um, probably nothing else does. Did you know God was Jesus in the, or excuse me, Jesus was God in the flesh? And Jesus stood in front of his creation and allowed them to beat him, spit upon him, ridicule him, and, and, and completely strip him naked, and it says in the Bible to beat him like no one suffered. Actually, no just human being could have lived through it. That's the God that we say, and you can go to him and be honest and say, God, why is this happening in our world? Why has this happened to me? He's a big God, but you have to know he loved you and me enough God himself, this is a huge truth, to go to the cross, to be beaten, to die, to suffer for me and you. And he's standing in front of, of Pilate, and this, this is his creation. And Pilate says, you are a king then. So Pilate's saying to him, are, 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 you say you're a king, are you a king? Jesus answered. You say that I am a king. And he had already said before that he was a king. He says, you say that I am a king. In fact, 
The reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Friends, when Jesus is standing there in the last moments of his life, and the older I get, the more this impacts me, because the closer I get to death and eternal life, the more I think about, because he was fully God, but yet Jesus was fully man. And I think about the emotions. Can you imagine the emotions that's, that's going on here? But yet he says, I came, he sums up his ministry in saying, I came to testify to the truth. Listen to this. Now, this is important. This is the, the line of demarcation between belief and unbelief. Jesus says, Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now, we may not agree as Christians on everything, but on the truth, the essentials, we have to agree on those. We have to agree on those. We even sung about it. I don't know, in the music we sung this morning, it says we worship the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. That's an essential truth in Christianity. Not all other faiths. Actually, as far as I know, and I've researched it some, we are the only faith out there that believes that there was one God that, that personifies himself in three different persons. And we have access to God the Father through God the Son in the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, that's an awesome truth. Which reminds me, Angie gave me a book. That's my oldest daughter. She gave me a book after she went to focus on the family. And uh, actually, she gave me about ten because they gave them all these books they had to read. And she went to focus on the family institute. And, uh, she gave me this one, and I never read it. And so I opened it up two weeks ago on the front. It says, to dad from Angie, focus on the family book number whatever that they read. And so I started reading it. And that's one of the reasons why you're getting this message this morning is it was on truth. And it was on the culture that we live in today. And it started out with an interesting story. Some of you that are older may uh, know the story, so don't give it away. But uh, there was a lady that wrote a short story back in the 40s. Um, her name was Shirley Jackson. It was called The Lottery. And in The Lottery, um, this teacher, actually she was a professor at a Southern California <coughs> college, which you got to remember this was back in the late 60s, early 70s. There were some conservatives over in that area then. Um, she would have her students read this short story. She taught, uh, like, uh, writing to her students. And she always used this book to elicit a response. Actually, each story she gave them was to elicit some sort of, actually, moral response, which sometimes we can't talk about today. I don't even know if school, they're allowed to give you a story 
to try to elicit a moral response, but that's how far we've come in a bad way. But in this movie, it was set in a small town, rural America, up in the Northeast. And the get town gathers for, every year, gathers from, from all over for some ritual. And it was important. It was a ritual throughout the movie. And the, the author does a great job just weaving this in out of this town gathers. They're all excited. Uh, and they're going to have this ritual. And it was going to be a ritual that they pretty much had some kind of a ceremony that was going to help them with the coming crops and their community to ward off bad things and stuff like that. So throughout this uh, story, she plays in and all of a sudden you see all the children, they're gathering rocks and building big piles of rocks all around. People are gathering rocks and everyone's celebrating and having a good time. But boom, all of a sudden, about 80% through this short story, you realize these people are gathering to have a human sacrifice. Someone in the town is going to draw a piece of paper that has a black dot on it. And when they do, they're going to be the sacrifice. This town had come to the, the assumption, even though it's untrue, that if they sacrificed one person among them each year, that somehow they would have better crops and a better community. And all you had to be was 16, I think it was for 16-year-olds through 28-year-olds. Why they chose that, I don't know, but the whole thing doesn't make any sense. Well, she writes this story. They put it in the New Yorker back in 1946, and the outrage was unbelievable from the American community. Now, think about it. 1946, what had just happened? World War II. That was a generation of people that had seen how even society can be twisted and talked into doing things that's horrible. They read this story in the New Yorker and they throw a fit. The New Yorker gets thousands and thousands and thousands of letters saying, this is a horrible story. Now, I'm going to say something, and this doesn't mean I want you to watch it, but it's similar to The Hunger Games. I know some of us as Christians say never watch that, and I'm not saying let your kids watch that, but same thing happens there. We have a government that's gotten so big that they control all the other districts, and they had a lottery in the same way, and they'd pick a boy and a girl, and guess what? The boy and the girl from each district would fight to the death. One person had to survive. Same thing. Now, my point is, this lady, and let me let me look at her name. I think I wrote it down. Yeah, Kay Hagard. She had given this book, this story, to her students for over 20 years. From the early 60s, clean through Vietnam, and if any of you were around then, I was fairly young, believe it or not, 
then, don't remember a whole lot about it, but I remember it, it wasn't a good time in America. And even through all those times in the hippie days of the 70s and everything that went on, uh, she said she always, when they got to this short story, at the end of it, she would elicit that she would get responses that were, oh, how horrible. Oh, how thankable. Why would people allow this to happen? I mean, these are normal, everyday people that said, okay, whoever gets the black dot, we're going to stone. And in the movie, even her own children, a lady picked the, the, the piece of paper with a black dot, and her own children pick up the rocks. And that's how it ends. They stone their mom to death, or help stone their well, back in 1946, they saw the travesty of this, and this, this, this teacher, she kept teaching this book or, or, you know, having her students study it throughout the years. She said she finally quit teaching when in the 1990s, talking quite a few years ago, in the 1990s, three classes in a row, it didn't get any response at all. Oh, that was neat. Oh, that was boring. Even one of her students that had written some papers just defending the whales and defending little puppies. Don't get me wrong, I like dogs now. I really do, so don't, don't take that the wrong way. But this, this one student had defended everything. But yet when she read this story, her response was, and listen to this, because this is where we're at today. Well, that's what their society believed to be true, so it's okay. And I, I'm, I'm here to tell you, and I'm here to show you that Jesus over and over he speaks to this capital of the truth, and there's things that no matter what society tells us are not okay. Friends, and there's things I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on my toes when I get to the point. I hope we got a clock in here. Yeah, we do, because I spent way too much time on the introduction. But <clears throat> the whole point is that she finally quit teaching because she couldn't even get a response from her students, and she finally she wrote in another magazine and said, I've had it. I can't believe we're at a place in the 1990s where people, and, and I'm not talking just young students, I'm talking students she had, she said, from the age of 18 to 80 that read this story and, and no response, no response whatsoever of, of this, is, this is unbelievable. And let's think about back in World War II some of the things, and I know your dad saw it, he liberated one of the Nazi concentration camps. The atrocities, and I've talked to those kind of people, the atrocities that went on, you, you, you couldn't believe it. You absolutely couldn't believe it unless you understand the truth of God's word, which says without God, we are capable of all kinds of evil. All kinds. So we need the truth. 
today so we can discern between just flat right and wrong. There is a right and wrong, young people. There really is. And I would suspect if you're in here today, your parents are telling you and trying to teach you between that right and wrong. And I'll tell you what, for the most part, society is not doing that at all. They're doing exactly what Satan wants to do. They're feeding you lies and telling you this is okay, that's okay. You can even determine uh, what, whether you're a boy or a girl. Do you know what an affront that is to our Creator? He created me a boy, and I tell you, oh boy, there's a lot of people probably my parents wish I wouldn't have been. Although I had two girls, and people say, well, boys are easier to raise than girls. I don't know about that, but I'll tell you one thing. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I absolutely adore my daughters. <laughs> I do. I thought they were angels for such a long time till we came back to Pleasant Hill, and, uh, and then I realized they weren't angels anymore, but that's all to being part of a parent, too. But I really tried my hardest teach them right from wrong, even though sometimes they didn't listen, like I didn't listen to my dad and mom. But we have a hands up on this. If we're not just teaching them what we believe to be right, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what is right and wrong, not what we believe to be, because there can be a difference there. Friends, even our own consciences as Christians, will fail us as time. So we need this discernment to discern between right and wrong, truth and falsehood, good and bad, light and darkness, life and death, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Satan, love and hate. There's all those things we see. Godly wisdom, which is truth, and worldly wisdom. And what I it, let me define that. That's, that's not the truth. Worldly wisdom and godly wisdom are never the same. So just to give you a few no, more examples, Jesus said also in John 1.14, the word became flesh, flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of, of the one and only Son, that's talking about Jesus, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. First thing, He was full of grace so that we could come to Him once we realize we're sinners and say, Lord, I need Your grace here. I can't do it. One of the stories of Martin Luther, one of the reformers from a long time ago, he was a, he was a Catholic priest that realized back then, and I have no idea what's going on in the Catholic Church today, but back then they were teaching all kinds of untruths. And Martin Luther looked at it, and, and he would go to God. He would literally crawl on his knees in repentance till they bled day after day. And he said, I never could find relief because I knew I was a sinner and there wasn't anything I could do. Nothing. And then finally, this priest that knew God's word, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit opened his heart up to the truth that grace will set you free. Grace 
not what you can do. You just, we can't atone enough. That's why we needed the atonement of Jesus. Even Martin Luther did that, and then he broke away. He didn't want to break away from the Catholic Church, but he told him, he said, now the word of God is, is opened up to me and opened up to my heart, and all these things were doing wrong. One of them was they said you could pay to, to get your relatives into heaven. If you just gave enough money, then your relatives that are already dead would be able to go into heaven. And Martin Luther said, are you crazy? That's no place in the Bible. Friends, when you take your last breath, that's your last chance. Your eternal destiny is already set in stone. The thing is, as long as you're taking a breath now, it's never too late. Young people, it's never too late. You may reject all the truths that your parents are trying to teach you and all the truths that your Sunday school teachers or your pastors or whoever are trying to teach you, but remember this. There may come a day when you look and you say, this world just doesn't make any sense. And all of a sudden, God comes to your heart and says, oh, remember this truth? I've told you, there's a reason why you were created. There's a reason why you were born. And it, to glorify God. And we can do that in so many different ways. When you're feeling good glorifying Him. Not too long ago, it's well, it's actually it's been a few years ago, the story of a young man, he was dying of cancer and he knew he was dying of cancer. Christian family. And it's good to be honest before, he honestly, he didn't want to go. He was a young man with children that were not grown. He wanted to see his kids grow. All of us parents can understand that, right? But yet he knew he had about a month to live. And even in his dying days, he glorified God in such a wonderful way of being so honest about his feelings, but yet knowing God still loved him. God was still in control. And there is a 1,000 million greater place he was going to. So Jesus said he came full of grace and truth. In verse 17, Jesus said, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus also said, I am the way. This is important. I am the way. Now, here's, here's an essential truth. There is no other way. We as Christians that believe this to be the word of God, and there's a whole lot of ways I can prove that. We believe that there's only one way to heaven, and that's through the atoning, the sacrificial sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the blood he shed for us on the cross. That's the only way. Only way. So he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I had three points, and I haven't even gotten to number one yet. <clears throat> First point is, and don't worry, the Chiefs aren't playing until 530 My wife told me to wear something Chiefs today, and I said, I'll wear something red. Um, it's hard enough for me not to wear a suit or a tie anymore, and I, that's okay. 
I did have a chief's tie. Sorry about Larry. He's been on my show. Well, uh, you know, when you're in a pulpit, um, just to let you know, it's a little different being here because I feel really responsible. Just kidding around. I, I, I so want Chiefs to win again. I, you know, do you remember back in 2019 when we went to the Super Bowl, there was a guy that held up a sign, and he says, I've waited my whole life for this. And I'm like, me too. My whole life. I was born in 1959. My dad remembers him winning the fourth Super Bowl, I think it was. But I didn't. But when I stand in front of you, I want to make it a time of, even though we can laugh, a time I don't want to distract from God in any way. This is about Him. This is about our Savior. So, I, I went through the Bible and I determined this definition of the truth. And this is it. Christ slash God is truth. Everything that emanates from Him His words, plans, laws, judgment, and blessings are a manifestation of truth. He is the source of truth. He is the definition of truth. He is the gauge of truth. God's truth does not change with time or culture. We should find great comfort in knowing that His truth is not dependent upon or affected by any kind of circumstances, feelings, experiences, or personal preferences. It is knowable, it is accurate, and it is and it's consistent from age to age, context to context. That's my definition. Now two, young ones, know this. If you're in here, and this is why I always love to, to teach the youth. I don't know if I was ever any good at it, but I loved them. And uh, I, I tried to teach them the youth. Now, we had, I got in trouble sometimes because we'd have some fun. And they'd go, did you really have to go there? Like, we had a burping contest one time. And I know. And, and I wouldn't do that now, but I was young. And I'm like, well, these guys are bored. And they, let's have a burping contest. And I can tell you still today who won. Uh, but I was, and you, most of you would know who he was. But I'll leave it at that. Uh <clears throat> We still, I, I was trying to teach them these truths because it's so important that they know these truths because the truth, I'm going to read reading from John 8. Most of you know this one by heart. To the Jews who believed in Him, Jesus said, notice, to those that believed in Him, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, today it's saying just do your thing, and let's be honest with our kids. And I, I don't want to get in trouble for this, but sin can be fun. It can be fun for a season. Ask the person that started out sinning in, in many different things, and all of a sudden their life is just ruined because sin always takes you further than you want to go. 
if you want to be free in this world, give it to Christ. Search for the truths of His Word. Listen to the pastor, the Sunday school teacher, your parents. Listen to them. They know because, let me tell you something, you want to be not free? Do the things the world tells you to do. We see it all over. But we, we, sometimes we, we turn a blind eye to it. But sin just keeps demolishing, destroying lives. So sin can set us free from what? First of all, can set us free from our enslavement. Listen to that. The word tells enslavement to sin. Secondly, it'll set us free from the, our separation from God due to that sin and the second death. That's really important we understand it. What do I mean by that? You say, well, God hears me, even whether I'm a believer or not. There is no doubt that God hears you and sees you and knows what you're doing and he cares for you. And when you, especially young ones, when you do things that he know, he, he, he knows if you keep going that way, he's going to destroy your life. God's there. And the moment you turn to him, he'll be there for you. But we need separate. You you are actually you're not in. If you're not a believer today, I I have through Christ. I can commune with God. I I remember the day I was the sickest, and this, I'm just using this as an example because it's just a few, a few weeks ago. As I'm laying there, I couldn't do anything, but. Prayed, and God was with me. You know, I still felt terrible. But he gives a peace in those difficult times that only God can give. And, and, and it sets you free. It sets you free to know, no matter what, God, you're in control. It sets us free from the second death. And what I mean by that is a term that so many people reject today. The second death is what we call hell. And if you look at the judgment, the great white throne judgment, God says, not me, it's a truth, that all unbelievers will come before him and he'll show them exactly why they're going to a place that we call hell. The Bible calls it the second death. The Bible calls it a lot of things. But friends, you can deny it and reject it all you want, but it's a it's a truth in God's word. And it's not it's not one I like to preach on, but it's one we need to think about. You know, friends, there's another one here that we don't think about. Did you know the word of God tells us the beginning of wisdom is to fear God? How often do we hear that today? You may hear that a lot here, but I don't hear that a lot a lot of places. It's good to have a healthy fear of a God that can send us to hell it's good to have a healthy fear I do actually more so when I was younger but now I actually make choices sometimes not just because I know God loves me 
because I fear the consequences. Okay, press, that's not going to be good. That's pretty stupid. Let's not do that. So we know the truth that set us free. Number three, God's truth must be understood and applied. Got a few minutes here, and I'm going to close with this. I, I, I could have chose so many passages of scriptures to make my point, but I'm going to go to Proverbs chapter 2, where it's talking to a boy. You've got to remember, it's talking to a man, and the father says in this, talking about truth or wisdom, my son, if, that huge word in scripture, huge word, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as you would look for silver and search for it as you would search for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge, or we could say the truth of God. Now notice those ifs there. If you're living your life professing to be a Christian, but you're not doing any of those things, I'm not saying God isn't walking with you. But what I am saying is like, He says to his son, if you don't do these things, it's not going to work out good for you. It could actually lead to the second death. We hope not, but it could. So he says, if you do these things and understand the fear of the Lord, then, then you will find the knowledge of God. He goes on, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth came knowledge and understanding. He holds success. You want to be successful in this life? Now, how do we gauge success today? Usually by money or usually by power. But that isn't the ones that are most successful. I find it very gratifying and successful in knowing that I can live my life in peace when everything around me may be chaotic. I can have peace. I can only have peace because it comes from God. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in blamelessness. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of the faithful ones. Again in verse 9, Then you will understand what is right and just and fair every good path for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men from men whose words are perverse who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways who delight in wrong and rejoice in the in the perseverance of evil. Is that not where we live today? Of course it is. If, friends, if you're a Christian, 
please don't think I'm trying to make you believe just because I'm saying this, that I'm more right than you, but I, I, I'm in the Word still enough and was for years when I was a pastor. I don't see how we can't see the perverse nature of the society we live in today. And, and, and I, I don't want to go out and kill people. I don't, I don't want to go out and kill the abortionists. But I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want us killing innocent babies. I, I don't want to go out and kill the, these people that are trying to tell us this alternate lifestyle or this alternate lifestyle is all right when it isn't. I don't, I don't want to do that. Remember, it, we, we have to do these things in love. Now, that, that can only come from God because my emotions arise and, and sometimes as a Christian, we just want to, the people to know we're right. And And... Goodness, with these truths, we are right. I get it. But we need to go about it in a way, and this is hard for me at times, that says, look around us. Look at what's destroying, not just America, but what's destroying the world. And hang on. Look at what isn't destroying the world. It's the truth of God that, that sustains us and keeps us from destroying things. Now, he goes on into many other passages here, but I want to end with this. <clears throat> Do you guys remember? Let's go just back to Genesis. just want to read a few scriptures, and then we'll close in prayer. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let him rule over the earth. Now, I paraphrase that, but I did use some words. Let us, why is that plural, in our image? The Trinity's there. There's a purpose for that. That's an essential truth. One God in three persons. From the very beginning, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So, God created man in his own image. Do I need to go any further with created? You know, I, I was just confronted last week, I think. I kind of lost track of time with being sick. My wife would know exactly when, but I was, I was given a call by someone that wanted me to officiate their wedding. It wasn't you, Keith, someone else. And they said, well, my daughter's a believer. You know that. She lives that way, but not quite sure about the person she's marrying. And the Bible really tells us not to be unequally yoked. So it, it, it is a concern with the parents. And she said, if you could just talk to him, he has some problems with, he, he says, science just doesn't point us towards God. And I'm not a scientist. But do you know science actually does? Science does point towards the creator. Friends, this DNA your pastor's talking about of the church, we think about our DNA. That's information. Something, if we want to, and I don't mean to be irreverent, God, put that in there. Like your computer, as much as I dis detest them, 
because they always goof up on me because I don't know what I'm doing about half the time. You know what? Someone out there really smart put a bunch of stuff in that computer to tell it just to make me mad. No, I'm kidding. Just to tell me uh, or tell it how to work. That's what they found in us. There's all kinds of stuff out there that science tells us that there's a creator. There's the second law of thermodynamics. There's all these things we can look at that, that shows us that we are not evolving into better things. Actually, the second law of thermodynamics, in a way, and I think it's the second law, you can go and find out if I said the wrong one. I don't remember. Like I said, I'm not a scientist. But there's one of those out there, one of those laws in science that says we're going from organization to chaos, the whole universe. So when God says he created man, we need to know it's important for us to acknowledge him as our creator. Secondly, you find in Genesis where it says he formed the man. And then remember what happens? He puts some trees in the garden. And it says all the trees, some of them were beautiful. To Can you imagine the Garden of Eden? Read Genesis. It's one of my favorite books. You read it, and there's these trees that are beautiful just to see. You've been places where we went to Europe, and actually I was there after Desert Storm, long story, but I was in the hospital, so I didn't get to see it. Later on, me and my wife went, and boy, there's some pretty places in America. There's some pretty places in Europe. I just couldn't imagine them fighting like they did in some of these places. But there's this beautiful Garden of Eden, and within it he put, and he specifically says the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then he tells man, listen to this, then God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it, and the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Did you hear what God said? Now Satan comes in the form of a serpent. He comes to Eve, and this is what he said. Did God really say to you, you must not eat of any tree in the garden? Now, did you hear what I said? Now, it's unfair because I know the scripture isn't binding. That is not what God said. But Satan, see, that's the way he does things. He takes the truth and then he twists it. He comes to Eve and he said, Did God really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden? I don't know how he said it, but I want to think it was kind of evil. It may have not have been. It may have been, Did God really say? You must not eat of any tree in the garden. And Eve says, woman knew, said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God said you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. In other words, don't add to God's word. Did God say they couldn't touch it? He did not. Now, I would say that's probably a good idea. If you're not supposed to eat it, you probably shouldn't go up and grab it. But, so, then Satan says, 
you will surely die. Says he, you won't die. And then I'm going to paraphrase this. He goes on and he says, he pretty much says, God's lying to you. Because he knows when you eat of that tree, you're going to find out all this great knowledge and all this great truth. And you're going to be like God and know all the things of God. Well, we know the rest of the story. Point is, I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to show you from the very beginning, Satan's a liar and God is not. And we've got to be really careful who we're listening to. Let's listen to God. Let's close. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask of you, Lord, I pray, I pray to you that we might listen to your truth, know your truth. As we're taught your truth, that we might, we might allow it to penetrate our hearts and our minds. Then, Lord, I pray for those that are younger that have parents that are trying to, to teach their children these truths, Lord. I pray that they might come to know them. For it will it's the only thing that will truly set them free. God wants what's best for us. And so many times we choose, the, the instead of truth, we choose error. Or we choose the wrong thing. Lord, help us to know your truths and help us to apply those truths. Help us to live those truths, Lord. And help us to share those truths in a world that so desperately needs to know your truth. The truth that, God, you sent your only begotten Son to die on the cross for our sins. But yet when we believe in you, we shall have eternal life and be set free from all the things we talk about. In Jesus' name, all God's people said.